Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Craig Ballantyne. Craig has been on the podcast multiple times. If you go back into the archives of this podcast, you'll find him. He is a good friend of ours, and I just like chatting with people who are up to stuff, and he is definitely up to stuff. So this is a casual chat about life and business, and we talk, we talk about a real estate a really tiny little bit, but we, we get into a whole bunch of different things and just a good guy who gets things done and helps a lot of other people get things done. His favorite book, or my favorite book of his is The Perfect Week Formula, Build Your Business Around Your Life, Not Your Life Around Your Business. And the reason I love that book is he's basically condensed like 10 or 15 time management and personal productivity books into one. And it's like a Coles Notes, and I'm probably dating myself when I say Coles Notes. Coles Notes, for those of you who don't know what Coles Notes are, old summaries that we used to get about books like uh, Romeo and Juliet when we had school projects, and you would go to the bookstore and you would buy a Coles Coles Notes book, which would basically summarize the book. I guess that's all on the internet now. I'm way off into a tangent. Forget everything I just said. (laughs) Craig Ballantyne is on the podcast. And if you were listening to this and you're wondering where the podcast went for a few weeks there, I actually had a whole bunch lined up the day after I got back from Croatia when I went with my father the second time this summer for a wedding. Just got back a little while ago. When we came back into Toronto, we were about to land in Toronto. There was a huge thunderstorm. We got turned around, had to land in Ottawa, delayed my arrival, had to cancel some podcasts. And that's why we had a gap that I did not expect, but we should be back consistently now. And if you are listening, to this and you're not on our Your Life, Your Terms weekly email newsletter yet, you need to be. You can get on that weekly newsletter at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. Every week we share little tidbits of goodies around real estate, the economy, things that we're thinking. Sometimes it's new videos. We discuss new podcasts. That's a weekly email from us. You can get on that list at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Craig Ballantyne and Nick. I was just saying, I don't know if you know this or not, but I was just checking up on him. I was basically stalking him on social media, and I didn't know, but he got married. Craig, oh really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah and I, I just saw a regular Tuesday afternoon wedding that we, that we had out here in Vancouver. Oh, nice! Congratulations, man. That's Thanks, awesome. man. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. You know, it was it had all the the things of um, you know the delays and all that sort of stuff because of COVID. So. We, you know, in 2020, we had said, okay, we're going to do, you know, get married in August. We got engaged in, in January. And then Vancouver, well, so we, we went to Miami for the winter time. And then we came, when we were there, Vancouver got way worse because it was real nice last summer. And then it was like, oh, well, we're not even sure if we'll be able to have more than 10 people to our wedding. So we'll just wait till 2022. There isn't any real rush. It doesn't really change anything in our lives. Um, and then uh, my wife's uh, grandfather got really sick. And so we're like, well, we don't want him to not be around for, for the wedding. Um, not COVID related sick, but just, you know, 90 year old sick. And so he, um, he, he was able to make the wedding and he was able to help walk her down the aisle and everything's <laughs> great. My mom was able to come out from, but, but we didn't book the wedding till about 10 weeks before the wedding, which is why we only, our only option was a Tuesday afternoon. Fortunately, 80% of our uh, attendees were retired, I think. So they had nothing else going on. That's cool. Is that, so when you went down to Florida, is that where, when you step in foot in Florida, did they give you the live free t-shirt now? Is that the way it works? No, is this that? is funny because, because <laughs> it's that's actually. Florida advertising. That's Florida I, advertising. This is, uh, this is me. This is me. Oh, advertising. Is that, oh sorry. No, 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 no. This is actually from a CrossFit in Florida. So, so I'm down in Florida and we were just bouncing from Airbnb to Airbnb. And I'm, I'm in this one area, uh, our first Airbnb. And some guy says, Hey, I have a CrossFit down the street. I noticed like you're in my neighborhood, uh, at some of the restaurants, I'm just down the street. You can come by anytime and work out. So I went down and worked out and he gave me this shirt and the CrossFit is called like live free Miami. And so I, I have this t-shirt. I'm like, it's the greatest t-shirt I've ever had in my life. And I wear it on every podcast because it's, it's like, I went through this little exercise about why I do what I do in my business. And everything to me comes down to freedom. 
Like I, I would work and I did for a long time. I would work 14 hours a day so that I didn't have to work 40 hours for somebody else. Like that's my mentality. You know, I'll do anything to not be told what to do. So I do, this is my model freedom and live free. And, and it just happened. Somebody gave me a t-shirt. So now I wear it everywhere, even though it's from a CrossFit and I don't like CrossFit, but, um, but it, it's, it's it? truly, yeah, it, it is my, it's my motto. Yeah. How was it living in Miami for that? For, uh, it was great, man. It was great. Now, when we got down there, the gym that we went to, you have to, you had to wear masks when you went to the gym for the first month, like in March. But, you know, we, I started doing hosting one day events down there for like 12 to 15 people in March as well. And then I went to a mastermind that had 150 people at in April. And then they, they let everybody go maskless at gyms and stuff. And then the middle of April, we met some of these young kids at a mastermind meeting who, who are involved in the nightclub scene. And we would follow them on Instagram and, you know, the biggest clubs in Miami with like 1500 people at them in an evening. And everybody we met at the gym already had COVID. Uh, but my wife and I, we've been everywhere. We've been to Costa Rica, Miami. Um, you know, we were on, we were in South beach during spring break and we've flown across Canada six or seven times. So we've never been sick. And I don't know if that's because we're those people who, you know, there's a small percentage of people who can't get it. I don't know. Hopefully that's me or we just been incredibly lucky, but it just defies my brain as to how I haven't gotten sick yet. And I hope I never do. I'm, I mean, it's a very serious illness. And I don't want to get sick, but uh, I've been very fortunate. And, and even obviously in California um, in the middle of August and at, a, at another mastermind with 150 people and I didn't get sick then either. Yeah, Nick and I were just talking about it. We added it up. Nick took eight flights this summer. I took 10 flights this summer and we were wow. fortunate as well. So the same, yeah. same as you, it's uh yeah. But what do you think about this? So this whole live free message, does that to become an entrepreneur, are you just somebody who doesn't listen to other people? Like, is that, is that the number one trait? Like, is that the trait? Cause I know Nick's, Nick's, Nick's like that. I quit because I just couldn't have my defining moment was extrapolating my life forward and thinking, how would I feel if my son was 10 and I asked for vacation time to go see him play in a hockey tournament. And my boss told me I couldn't go. For me, that crushed me, even though my son at the time was like one or two, and it made me put in the wheels in motion to quit my job. Um, I think we're just unemployable in one way or another. And whether you're unemployable because <clears throat> you just have different ideas and you're sick and tired of like, you know, you working for a big corporation, like my wife used to work in the sport nutrition world out here in Vancouver, like for Vega and then for this um, vegan cheese company, Dea, which you see in stores. And, you know, she just had ideas about why are we doing it this way? This is a better way of doing it. And, you know, nobody listens to you. And I think she just got eventually sick of it and went out and started her own stuff. Uh, for me, I was unemployable just for many reasons, even though when I was employed, I was a very good, hardworking employee. I was in, I was, you know, I basically was an entrepreneur. I was in early, stayed late, you know, ideas for the marketing department, even though I wasn't in the marketing department, um, but I was just unemployable in other ways. And, but then, you know, there's some people who are looking for the freedom who have that mindset of, I'm not missing X, Y, Z in my life, even if it means sacrificing A, B, and C, you know, like you guys, when I've heard your story of you guys starting up your business and the sacrifices you made, but you still, with all those sacrifices, were able to do the things that you want. And, um, you know, I came from a farming background. So, you know, my dad didn't have a conventional job, but it allowed him to do certain things, but it stopped him from doing other things. And it's just, that's just a sacrifice in life. So I think that for anybody who's an entrepreneur, there's a couple of things that, that are involved. One, you have to be a problem solver. You have to want to solve problems. You have to have creative ways of solving problems and you have to have an unconventional way of doing things. And, and, you know, it's just with the uh, risk of upsetting people out there, most of the people I know who I associate with are entrepreneurs want nothing to do with the vaccine. And, and especially the one, like I know a lot of guys in Texas and Florida, I know a few guys still in California for some strange reason, they won't leave. And they want nothing to do with it. And they, they're very freedom oriented. And I think that there's probably a fair amount of people listening who hate that message, but there are probably a lot of people listening to your show that are like, yeah, 
Nobody tells me what to do. And, and as long as I'm not hurting anybody, then be alone. Like, I just want to be left alone and to do what I want to do. That sounds like you. Yeah, exactly. Things I like to do. Like, I'm sorry for employing, I'm sorry for employing dozens of people and paying more in taxes some years than most people do in their lives. Just leave me alone (laughs) and let me continue Doing so so let me ask you this thing. with, with the way the world's changing and I'm not talking about vaccine or no vaccine or, but just, you know, with different restrictions on travel sure. and coming and going, and are you doing anything different? Are you planning differently for the next few years? Has it changed your thinking at all with new restrictions um, for movement? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, has it changed my fundamental thinking? No, it's definitely made me hurry up and accelerate some things. So You know, we're going to get temporary residency in Mexico. Um, We are applying for one of those citizenships by investment passports in the Caribbean, which, you know, we've just sent in everything for that. Uh, You know, these are insurance policies. I do not want to leave Vancouver. That's where I live now. That's where my wife's family is. We're having a baby in March of next year. You you know, you don't want to move hundreds, thousands of miles away from your family because you need their support. They want to be around the baby. I am hoping, so it's like a continuum of best case and worst case scenarios, right? Best case scenario, I will remain in my basement because I'm now locked out of society, a lot of society here in, in BC because I can't go to my gym and, you know, so I'm going to work out and I'm going to stay. I'm not going to hurt anybody in any way. That's not what I want to do. So I'm hoping that I can just live and do that, live freely, stay here, have our baby, um, be with our family. And this is the worst that it gets. Now, if it does get worse, then, you know, in my mind, the worst case scenario is that, okay, great. We get this, one of these second passwords, even if we don't, We'll go to Mexico. My One of my friends, I don't know if you guys follow Simon Black at SovereignMan.com, but he just had his baby in Mexico. And he said it was an amazing experience. So he lives in Puerto Rico. Um, he His baby has five passports because uh, he has multiple passports. So the baby now has Italian, American, um, Mexican, because when you have a baby in Mexico, the baby is automatically becomes a Mexican citizen. Uh, just like if I if I went to America and had my baby, my baby would automatically become American. Or if anybody comes to Canada and they have a baby in Canada, I believe their baby is automatically Canadian. Same with Costa Rica. And so his baby also has Chilean because he has a Chilean passport. I think one more, but oh, Ukrainian because the mother's Ukrainian. So that baby has five passports. That's already. nice. I know. It's crazy. Um, so, but he had a tremendous experience in Mexico. It cost him $3,500 for like the, the OB was with them for 24 straight hours beside them. Like didn't leave the OB was with them all. Like the entire thing was great. And, um, you know, if, if things get worse here, we probably have until about January to make that decision for a March baby. That's probably a little too late, but you know, December, the only thing is, is again, my wife's grandfather is sick and we, we don't want to leave. Uh, we don't want to leave her grandma. Uh, you know, if he passes away and she has to grieve, you know, we, we don't, but everybody uh, will have a line in the sand for what you're willing to tolerate. Yeah. Is, is the Mexican one different? Oh, go ahead, Nick. No, I was going to say, because we started, we were able to get our Croatian passport for our father and our UK passport through our mother. Um, and so we got them years ago, just that so we're like, hey, you just never know if you want them. Now, with the way things are going, the UK one is looking less and less appealing. <laughs> yeah. But the, the Well, Croatian, the UK one looks more appealing than Canadian right now. Maybe now, maybe, yeah. 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 And then with, um, and the Croatian one's kind of like, you never, you just never know if you just need to take off. Croatia's on what, like, I know I introduced you to my friend Peter over there, but yep. from what I understand, like, Croatia isn't too far down on my list of places that I would go to if I had to. There's a couple of people we know that are, that are in other parts of the world right now. They've left Canada and they're in other parts of the world. They're like, you know, we're exploring that as one of the options. Um, they have a digital nomad thing right now that people can get into. And because of the way the lifestyle is, they're like, you know what, it's, it's actually, it's not too bad. But so that's, you know, that's in the back of our heads. But at the same time, then because of all this, we ended up buying a place just up North. So like if things, because up north in ontario yeah great yeah. collingwood we bought a place in collingwood last year okay, cool. because when everything hits the fan uh, in those other smaller areas it was just much more normal right it wasn't like the kind of like the the, the fear yeah. and panic that overtook the, the cities 
So we have that as a backup plan. Then we have a trip planned later this year, waiting for a couple more islands, one specific island to wake uh, came in, in particular to open up a little bit, to go down there and look at some properties as another kind of option for ourselves, just like you're kind of building out options for yourself. We're trying to build out our own options, depending on where things go. And whether it's, this is COVID or not, I think it taught us that, you know, to you, to the point, like if we started with the, the live free thing and and why you do what you do, we're similar, you know, your life, your terms, it's, it's aligned similarly we're like, we've just realized now that whether it's COVID or not, that what we take for granted can change very quickly. And we want to be prepared for, you know, if and when it happens again. Yeah. The problem is pre-COVID, like if you if you had this mindset pre-COVID, there were clear delineations on where you would go um, based on your nationality and, and how easy it was. Like Panama was a re- used to be a really great place for Canadians uh, to get a visa to live there, to you know, become a citizen, get a second passport. But COVID is the wild card because Panama locked down really hard. And so like it has all these things going for it for Canadians who want to retire to a nicer, warmer weather, or just be a digital nomad down there. Check box, check box, checks the box. And then COVID comes along and they put the hammer down. Yeah. And so you don't know, um, you know, you still have to do all the preparation you have to think about, Hey, I can go here and that sort of stuff. But that's just so wildcard. Like you have no idea what the government is going to do. And if they elect a new government, if it's going to get work better, worse or neutral. So, but as long as, you know, when you have the mentality of, um, okay, you know, here's what's most important to me. And this is looking like the thing right now. Great, I'm going to move towards it. You can't be paralyzed by fear, like mm-hmm. you know, because you could easily get paralyzed by fear. And I don't, I don't want people to be fearful and, and listening to this. Like you know, I also I'm very fortunate. My family still has a farm. Um, you know, an hour and a half, two. Well, I guess it's two and a half hours from downtown Toronto. Where you're right, it was. It is a conservative um, part of Ontario. We have a farm. We have a. You know, my mom has a big garden there. And if we're, you know, worst case scenario, we went there, we would, we would live okay, you know? And, and so I don't want to think like, oh, you got to go and go to a new country you've never been before, like, you know, 1840s or whenever my parent, my, my relatives came from Scotland to Canada. I don't want to terrify anybody that, but, you know, everybody can make slight adjustments to, to become more free and protect what really matters. I think in our lives and our business, we've never wanted a single point of failure. We've always thought just no single point of failure in anything we do. And now you just extrapolate that out to citizenships and passports. um, The Mexican one, I I don't know anything about it. Was that, is that an easy one or a difficult one? It's a relatively easy thing. So, so first of all, on, on the easiest thing anybody can do is any, any Canadian could go to Mexico for six months as a, uh, on vacation, right? Like you have six months before your uh, yeah, stay. You're supposed to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so that alone is a great place to start. Now, there they have a couple of things that allow you to stay there longer term. One is a temporary residency, and we, uh, to to get a temporary residency, which allows you to stay in Mexico for about two to three years, you don't have to stay there indefinitely. You can go there, you know, get your temporary residency stamped, and then leave. Because I have a bunch of friends that that have done this from all over the world, but it allows you to open a bank account. It allows you to do a couple other things, like start a business there, a few other things. And you can easily Google this. And in order to get a temporary residency from Mexico, you have to go and you have to get an appointment at the Mexican consulate in your city, the wait list in Vancouver. I, I went in there in August. We don't have our appointment till November. Um, so it's going to be a long time. Uh, to also if in Toronto, I think they have one in Calgary. They have like you'd be surprised, like they have a Mexican consulate in Vancouver. Yeah, they do. Um, because there's a there's a lot of people coming this way too. So, anyways, uh, you go to the Mexican consulate in your area, you get a temporary residency, then you have to go to Mexico within six months, anywhere down there, and you get it stamped, and great. Now you have this two to three year thing. If you're retired, you can accelerate the process and become a permanent rex- resident of Mexico just as easily. All you have to do is prove, I think your income is $2,500 a month in retirement income or something like that, or you have X amount of money in the, like maybe $250,000 in the bank or in assets or something. Uh, it's not extremely difficult. Like 
not everybody can do it, but you, you do the same thing. You go to the Mexican consulate, you get the appointment, you check all the boxes, then you got to go to Mexico, you go down there, boom, you get the thing stamped and you can stay in Mexico for five years. And so the other thing is that, um, you know, 2019, we're not having this conversation. 2021, we are like, like look at Australia, right? Worst case scenario. If you're an Australian citizen with no second passport, with no other residency, it's very difficult for you to get out. But I think that if you have a second passport, you can say, well, I'm going to my home, my other country, and you'd probably be accelerated in the process of getting out. I think anybody can get out. It just takes a long, 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 long time. And especially, and you can't, you can't go out for two weeks and come back. They're, they frown on that. But if you say I'm going somewhere for a year, they're like, okay, but where are you going? And you say, well, I have a, I have a permanent residency in Mexico. They're like, oh, okay, well, and so on and so forth. So if you, you can't be denied, it's like when, um, when COVID hit, I had some family that were in Florida for vacation and Canada said like, you got to come home. Right. So, so they can't stop residences, residents going back to the, to their home country. I mean, I guess they could, but it's, it's not. You can. Yeah. You show up at a border with a Canadian passport, you're getting in. Right. So, so if you're like, well, um, if you have no other place to go and everywhere is locked down, you can't get out. You can't, cause you can't get into somewhere. But if you have those other things, then you can get into some places. And, and even like in the beginning of COVID or when, uh, when Can- like, for example, there was a time when Canadians couldn't go to the UK and I think they can go now, but if you had a second passport, you could fly to Mexico and then on your second passport, you could fly to the UK. You're still a Canadian, but you have two passports and you're coming from a country that's not Canada. You could actually go to the UK, even though technically you're a Canadian. Mm-hmm. So it's all it's all insurance. Policies. It's weird when you have to think about all this stuff now. Like it's unfortunate it, because, like, if your brain is a computer with like you know you you've you've all had your computer slow down and said like you're using ninety percent of your CPU. Well, now you're dead. Like I'm dedicating like twenty percent of my CPU sometimes yeah. to how am I going to outsmart Justin Trudeau and whatever <laughs> he's going to. Th- Actually, yeah. yeah. When it comes to smarting Justin Trudeau, that's maybe not twenty percent of my CPU. No, I I joke because the guy is unfortunately. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. So so yeah, it does. Now the thing is, and this is something that I learned from Dan Kennedy, is you have to compartmentalize. And um, like for example, I have a coaching client. He's a fire. uh, He works for the New York City Fire Department, where half the half the fire department wants nothing to do with the vaccine. His kids have to go back to school and they have to wear masks. He's got a business um, on the side selling stocks and he's got all these problems in that business because of, you know, just regulation and stuff like that. So he's like, man, I'm so frustrated and they're making me work all this overtime. Like you got to compartmentalize. You can't when, when you're working on the problem of solving the stock business, you can't let any of that CPU be dedicated to, the mass that they're forcing on your kids that has its own 30 minute compartmentalized brainstorm session later where you can't think about working overtime at the fire hall. You have to only think about the mass thing. And Dan Kennedy taught that about, you know, like when you have, if, if you're getting divorced or you're dealing with any type of stress, if you let that, if you think about it all day long, your work suffers. And you just can't. If you're a professional, you have to compartmentalize those things. Now, it's easier said than done, but it's like any any type of mental strength, uh, very much like any type of physical strength. You get better at it as you practice it over time. So everybody listening, and you're like, oh, my gosh, these guys are freaking me out. Or, you know, I'm trying to do that stuff. Or, oh, I'm so upset about this, that, or the other thing. You can't be upset about this, that, or the other thing when it's time to work on this other thing. And when you can learn to compartmentalize that, um, like there's a really, here's a really heartwarming story about it. And I, and I was studying this cause I was writing an article about it and I wanted like a real good example. So 2010 Olympics, and this story is already giving me like goosebumps. Um, 2010 Olympics, this girl, Julie Rochette, I think her name is for Canada. She's going to skate at the Olympics and her mother dies 
either on the plane there or like three days before. And she goes and, and I mean, like, I don't even know this woman. I'm like tearing up at this story. She goes and she skates to a bronze medal performance three days after her mother dies. And you can only ascribe that to compartmentalization as a professional. She put aside the greatest heartbreaking thing in her life to go and perform at the highest level. And if she can do that, let that be an inspiration to you to like, okay, I'm going to focus on, you know, this real estate deal. And then I got 30 minutes dedicated to figuring out how I can get more freedom for my family or my kids or whatever. That's what you got to do. When's the best, when's the best time for you to do that? For me, it's the early in the morning. When is the yeah, best time and for Well, you? well, for me, it's the compartmentalization. Um, my morning is still my business. And I, and, and like, that's the most important thing. That's the thing that, that, you know, where if I solve those problems in the business, you know, the marketing, the sales, that sort of stuff, it generates the leverage to solve more, some of these other problems. And then um, around the travel and stuff like that, it's really, a two, it's really a two person conversation. So it's really my wife and I talking about this and, you know, being on the same page and making the decisions so that sort of stuff either happens when we, you know, we go to the forest and walk the dog in the morning or when we have dinner or, you know, at some point during the day we break or, or after dinner, but it's us talking about those things and making those decisions together. And, and we may accumulate some data points over the course of the day separately, but we bring them together at those times. And so that's when we compartmentalize it. I try not to get too much down that rabbit hole early in the day. Um, otherwise it can, uh, you know, you're human, right. It can set you off in a way that then is that, you know, it's always that little CP, you know, 20% of the CPU. Cause yeah, you're like, eating what, what do you, you know? recently I've had quite a few people come to me and say, Tom, I wish we made decisions like you and Nick made like 10 or 15 years ago. And because I didn't, I'm now in my forties or whatever, pick your age. Cause everyone always thinks it's too late. I think I saw a few posts on you talking about this recently um, and they kind of are giving off the impression they're giving up because they're like, Oh, I, I should have done what you're telling me 10 years ago. Well, how do I'll you tell get you, th- how do you get someone through that? Yeah. I'll tell you what, in 10 years from now, you're going to look back and say, I wish I had done, you know, something different. If you give up, like giving up is no one ever looks back in 10 years and goes, great, I gave, I'm so glad I gave up, unless you're giving up a bad habit. Like, I'm, I'm very glad I gave up drinking. I wish I would have gave up drinking a long time before that, but I didn't. But nobody looks back and says, I, I'm really glad I gave up on trying to become a real estate investor. I don't think anybody's ever said that in, in the history of ever. And so you have to keep doing hard things. But, but I mean, that's honestly, that's what separates successful people from everybody else is that the successful people never gave up during the hardest, hardest moments of their life. Like being an entrepreneur, being a real estate investor, I mean, it's not all, you know, puppy dogs and unicorns, um, crap and rainbows, you know, it, it is, it is up and down. It is, you have to be committed to this on a, on a day when someone's going to punch you in the stomach and your spouse is going to walk out on you and your dog is going to get hit by a car. And there's going to be days like that, like literally days like that. And you still have to show up and have the gumption to make the right decisions. And you have to compartmentalize all those other things that unfortunately happen because everybody's going to go through those. And for anybody that's sitting there thinking it's too late or this is hard, it ain't going to get any easier and you ain't going to get any younger. So if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? And, and you, you know, ain't no Marty McFly's driving around with DeLoreans in your neighborhood offering you a chance to go back 10 years. So you have to do it now. Marty and, McFly. That's right. <laughs> Craig's dating go, right? himself now. See, he's getting old. He's getting I am old. The younger crowd is like, who is that? What is he talking about? I know I wrote a, I wrote a post the other day. It said 30 years ago, I was going down the wrong path in life. And people were like, I don't understand how 30 years ago, like they, they don't realize how old I am. And I'm like, yeah, it's 30 years ago. But so hold on then. If in that way, because isn't then one of the most just, isn't it, doesn't it boil down to being able to control your emotions? Because doesn't everything come back 
in that way is either like it's fear or if you can't compartmental compartmentalize you're either it's being able to kind of control the anger and stuff like that like isn't it the emotional control that and, and what i'm thinking about is when when you talk about real estate investing because it's an emotional roller coaster so like what you know when a tenant leaves and the properties you know there's they did a little bit of damage is messier than you want you're like oh shit i gotta call the garbage like the guard handyman guy plumber do all this i don't want to deal with any of this crap put the for sale sign in the thing is it it's it's basically just removing yourself removing emotions from the equation and then basing your decisions off of something else is sure, that right sure. or am I missing? Is it, am I simplifying it too much? Absolutely. So let's pick on the Leafs. All right. Let's <laughs> oh, pick on the Leafs. Geez. How many times have they been up three nothing? Yeah, too that's, many. That's not right. Many. And, and so too all many. the all the all the guys in the other dressing room, like we're down three nothing. I may as well I may as well call the country club and book a time for Friday because we can just lose tomorrow night, and I can be I can be golfing Friday morning. But the other teams don't do that. The other teams go. Dang, we're down three nothing to the you know the one of the fastest skaters, sharpest shooters. Like, you know, we might go get blown out again tonight, but we're going to show up because we are professionals, and that's what we do. And we're going to show up, and we're gonna we're not going to worry about the score at the end of the game. We're going to worry about every single shift. You go out there and you do your job. You guys in? I'm in. You're in. Let's do it. And we go out there and we play every shift. So action beats anxiety. That's in one of my books. Action beats anxiety. If you're sitting there and you're going, oh man, you know, I'm 41. I haven't bought my first investment property. These guys are talking about moving. Oh my God. Like, okay, great. You can sit there and continue and make that list or you can go, oh, okay. So in their program, Tom and Nick say, do this. Great. I'm going to go and do that. And I'll tell you what, the easiest, fastest victory that people can get is surrounding themselves with other people who have done or are doing what they want to do. If, you, if you're sitting there and you're 30 pounds overweight, hanging around other people that are 30 pounds overweight is not going to help you in any shape or form. Hanging around people who were 30 pounds overweight or who, are, who used to be 30 pounds and are now 20 pounds overweight, hang around those people. So hang around the people who have bought multiple homes, who are... Um, you know, real estate investors who are buying in the process of buying their first home, spend time with those people. And you're saying, well, you can't spend time with people these days. You can on the internet. You can either spend time on the internet with people that are pulling you down, or you can spend time on the internet with people that are pulling you up. So you get involved. Um, I don't know the intricacies of your membership site, but maybe do you guys, would you guys have a community? <laughs> we do for part of, for part of the membership. We, yeah. we, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just get involved some way, shape or form and, and, or even at the very least have Tom and Nick in your ear all day long because you guys have long podcasts. So that would not be difficult to do. So you guys, <laughs> you guys will, you, know, you can have these people in your ears, even if you live miles away, even if you don't know anybody else buying their first home, you can have Tom and Nick and all their success stories in your ear all day long. And that's what you have to surround yourself with. That's the easiest first victory because then you're like, okay, this is really scary. I'm going to go and I'm going to look at these 10 houses and I'm going to, you know, they said, do this for your first deal. I'm going to do it. you got to pull the trigger eventually. You have to do I, it. See, I'm a, I'm a passionate person. See, I'm passionate, not intense or whatever, whatever you want to call it. So what happens with me is when I get, when I reach a moment in my life, and this happens multiple times, like, you know, when you get off the rails a little bit. Yeah. So, so two, two different things. If I can't do something that I feel like I should be able to do would be one scenario. Or if I've been operating in a way that's been working and, and for some reason it does, it's not working every more, I feel like I'm overwhelmed or I'm just not getting done what I need to get, get done. I let, and I guess it's, I call it my, my anger, but it's not really, it's my frustration. And when my frustration kicks in, I'm like, it just changes everything. I'm like, okay, enough of this. This is BS. It's like, I, all of a sudden, I like, I revamp my schedule. Uh, the next day, my body will automatically just start waking up at like, you know, an extra, just that 30 minutes. I already get up probably between 5.30 and 6. So it just gets up that extra little half hour earlier. And I'm, and then I just get back on the horse. And it's, it's the... It's the level of frustration that I reach that triggers that in me. And it's happened multiple times, just even in a fitness environment where I was in a fitness competition. Um, so CrossFit, which you don't like, but it was, and I, I felt I like, like how you hesitated. They don't, they don't like me, hesitated. which I don't, oh, I don't is really it? care. Okay. Nick hesitated to say it. It was, so, a, no, it's just that they, they well, don't no. like me or they well, didn't used it. to. 
Got when it. I said fitness yeah. competition, I thought like the fitness competition on stage when they're doing a thing. Oh. That. But but I'm like, I, I, I couldn't do this one thing that I thought I should be able to do. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, why can't I do this? So then I just buckled down, hired a coach specifically for that thing. I'm like, I'm going to make sure that by this time I can do this damn thing. And I, I find that like, it's weird. So the, the with the emotional side of things, I have this kind of like love-hate relationship because you know, sometimes it's like that type of emotion, like the frustration really can lead to bad things. But for myself personally, when it's channeled properly, it actually has led to a lot of development and a lot of growth in my life too, because I just, I'm like, you know, I, like for lack of a better term, I'm like, fuck this, I'm going to get this done and nothing's going to flip and stop me. Right. Yeah. So it's problem solving. And, and so the one way to reframe any of these situations is you know, everybody's done some type of problem, whether crossword puzzle or Sudoku or whatever those things are called or a crossword puzzle, or, you know, or a jigsaw puzzle and everything, you know, it's just a problem. It's just a puzzle to solve. So if you haven't done what you want, if you're like looking going, oh man, I haven't achieved those things. It's just a, it's just a puzzle. So solve this problem and spend some time in thinking I, I, I force all of my clients to spend at least an hour and a half walking in the woods. If, if they, if they have that convenient to them, that's where you're going to solve your problems. You're going to solve your problems there and you just need to go and think and, and all your experience and all your connections and tap into those things. And then the path will start to become clearer to finally making the change. Because again, if you just sit there and think, Oh, woe is me. I haven't done these things. I'm not where they're at that's not going to get anybody to that where, yeah. where you want to get to. So the, let's just find the quick victory and go for it. That's a huge point. So I, we know one of the guys that works with us, who's one of your clients, um, he walks in the woods and he, you know, he told yeah. us about it too. And it's funny. I find the same thing. Like, and Tom, I know you're like this too. You need to give yourself free time and freedom to allow your brain to just, it's, it's amazing. It sounds like airy fairy, but it's so true because the brain will naturally just work on the problems that you're talking about. And things come to you when you're not always pumping it with, with stim simulation from all this other crap around you. Right. Absolutely. And I know Tom, you're like, you're the same way with the stuff that you do. If you don't give yourselves breaks, it's like, you just can't think of anything new. Right. There, there's a, there's a guy who does a lot of business with Tony Robbins in the business mastery program. His name is Keith Cunningham and Keith Cunningham has a book called the road less stupid. And the first I think the second chapter of that book is dedicated to giving yourself two to three sessions per week of 45 minutes to two to three hours of sitting in a chair with a, with no distractions and solving your problems. And then if you take a look at Richard Koch in his book, the 80, 20, 80, 20 principle, Richard Koch sits beside like a koi pond and solves his problems. Warren Buffett sits at a desk all day long, reads and solves his problems you know, and there's no technology. That's what he used to do. Right. And, and so it's thinking like you have to think you have to be in a proactive mode. If you're in a reactive mode, then you'll never make the space in your mind to solve these problems. And, and that's kind of like what I do with, you know, I do that with my morning routine program. I do that with my discipline program. We do that with our coaching is we make the space in the, usually it's an entrepreneur's mind, sometimes a real estate investor's mind. We make the space in your mind and in your schedule to solve the pressing problems. Yeah. And if you do not make the space in your brain, right, like clear the CPU so it's not using 90% of your CPU when you're trying to solve a difficult problem, or you don't make the space in your schedule so you actually have devoted thinking time, it's going to be very difficult for you to do anything but tread water in your so Craig, are you doing that now? And in your, yeah. ca in your calendar, how often are you doing? Fridays that? are off. Fridays are off. Um, I, they were completely off. Then we have one executive team meeting, but it's, you know, all the books that I buy from Amazon, I'll read some, that, you know, that's, that's the day for the long walk. And then, and then some of my stuff is like, I have a long, long list of all the people I know. And I just go through and it's like, I haven't talked to this person in a while. I should send him a note and mm -hmm. this person, this person, this person. It's just yeah, how powerful is that? Isn't that, isn't that alone? What you just said? Yeah. So powerful. Nick and I were just talking about yeah. this the other day. Yeah, Randomly, so you, somebody comes to mind, text them, email them, call them. It changes your life. 
Yeah. So I'm in a, I'm in a, a mastermind group and, and I, there's this guy named David Meltzer. He's big in the sports agency world or something. He's really popular in social media. Anyways, he said like every single day, you know, send a thank you message to somebody. So now every single day I send a 30 to 45 second thank you video to somebody. And I just, I, you know, sometimes I close my eyes and I'll name come to me and then I'll make a video for them. And it, it's, it's just something that's been helpful for me to be grateful and that sort of stuff. And then also to, to reconnect with somebody instead of saying like, just sending a text and saying, Hey, what's up? But like, Hey, you know, here are nine things that I love about you and I'm grateful for. And they're like, Oh man, it's like, Hey, we should jump on a call and talk about this. And, and the next thing you know, um, and we can solve some problems, but a lot of the problems that we have in life can be solved through our network. Like I believe, like I got married this summer because of, uh, you know, through my network, you know, I have a friend in Toronto who runs a program called the Toronto ladies business community. I said to her, you know, smart, beautiful women. Would you introduce me to a couple and long story? Well, she sent me five Instagram profiles and I went, Nope, 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 Nope. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Uh, and so then I was like, I don't want to be ungrateful. So I went and I looked at all the girls that she followed or the women that she followed. And, and I said, what about this girl? And she said, well, she lives in Vancouver now. And I said, no, I'd really like an introduction. And, you know, 18 months later, wow. 24 yes. months later, we're, we're married. So, wow. so, so the more people, you know, the easier it is to solve every problem in your life, every problem in your life, because if you know a hundred people, they've all had a hundred problems. And maybe they've solved half of them. So they've solved 500 problems. And maybe you have 10 of those problems. The answers to your problems are in other people. How do you grow your network or increase the amount of people you know? Is that a strategic thing or is it an organic thing? There, there's a couple of ways. One, you know, I read a bunch of books. I'm on these podcasts. People are always asking me on podcasts. So I get on podcasts with everybody. And usually, and, and when one of the things that I did, I started doing on these podcasts, I've probably been interviewed about 600 times on other people's podcasts, but it was because I, I randomly won uh, an hour call with Dan Kennedy and he was, and this was back in 2016 when I released my first book. And he said, every time I do a teleseminar for somebody's group, which, you know, really old school before podcasts, I sell a hundred books. And I go, okay, let's see. If I do a hundred podcasts and I sell a hundred books, I sell 10,000 books. Now it doesn't work exactly that way probably, but so I said, I'm going to do a hundred podcasts. And the next thing you know, I'm doing 600. But every time I did a podcast, I said, do you know two other people who would like to have me on your podcast? So it's like when you cut off the Hydra's head in Greek mythology to grow back. So I was always asking for, do you know two people? Who are the two people you know who would like to have me on their podcast? And, you know, like I just started another business. I, I started this accountability and productivity app called Winning Streak. And, and every time I do a demo video for somebody, I say, do you, who are one or two other business owners who would like to use this for their sales team or, your, or their coaching clients? I would love to show it to them. And, and my, you know, it goes from 100 people and soon I have 200 people, then I have 400 people, then I have 800 people, then I have 1,600 and so on and so forth. And that's how you can grow is every single time you meet somebody and add value to them, ask for an introduction to at least one other person, if not two other people. And they will give those introductions to you. And the next thing you know, like I got to a point where I just couldn't do all the podcasts that people were trying to get me on. And, and it, you know, it just became a, a matter of time. Um, but that's how you can grow. That's the key. When you, you said at the end, you said add yeah. value. And I think that's because you come, you add value and then you ask, and then people are happy to help you because you're helping right. them. Right. And I know sometimes early on when people try that approach, sometimes they forget that part yeah. of it. Right. And they ask first. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's like, Hey, come from a place where you can serve and try to help people. And then really like, like you said, that a lot of doors open when you, when you're able to do that, if you come from that. And sometimes the answer of how you can help isn't obvious. So then maybe don't reach out right away. Like take some time to think about it and figure out how you can, you know, help. Well, and, well, just in our, and, and Craig, Nick, I was just going to say in our business, we constantly get people asking something of us. Can I talk on the stage? Yeah. If you're doing an event, can I talk on your podcast? And right away it puts, it's just a bad taste in your mouth. Then we have other people who are always offering value. We barely even know them. They just randomly will send us things and and then we don't have time to respond, but then they'll show up or make an introduction, send a referral. And over a couple of years, 
you pay attention and you realize who is this person that we don't even know that's adding so much value to our lives that we didn't even ask for. And then we almost feel obligated. Like it literally is, is that law of re- 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 reciprocity. <laughs> yeah. You know, Too much it, yeah, you know, it's so well, I couldn't Tom, even get the so well. first syllable out. <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah, so there's two things that here. Law. There's two things here because I think a lot uh, some people may be sitting there and going, but I'm not an extroverted person or I don't go out and schmooze at events and that sort of thing. And so I want to go back way back in time. You know, I'm 24 years old in 1999 and I started an email newsletter for my fitness business. I didn't have a website. I was like, this is so old school, right? I had all, I kept all my emails for my, for my newsletter, my subscribers in a word document. And I would send the newsletter out through hotmail, but you know, people would refer other people to join the list. And then because I had this list, then I could go to big names, you know, quote unquote, in the fitness industry. And I said, you know, hey, Mike Boyle, you're the strength coach in the National Hockey League. Would you, you know, do an interview for my for my it was for my email newsletter list? And I have 3000 people on it. And he had a book that he wanted to sell. And here I am, some kid interviewing big name stuff. So that's the great thing about, you know, today's podcast. You, you know, I've got an audience you know, you're a big name, you, you can grow your network that way. So I was, but I was very introverted, socially anxious, and I grew a massive um, network in a niche market because I added value, but I did it all from behind a keyboard. So there, there is no excuse, even in this day and age, there's many, many tools. And the cool thing about the social media, like Instagram, if people use it is you, you can send a message to somebody who has 450,000 followers and there's a good odd that they will actually reply to you themselves because they're just so addicted to Instagram. And, and um, you know, so I've communicated with people that have very big following. So, so there's no reason not to try and grow your audience. And then you might also be thinking, but what value do I have? And that's where like, I love what I love doing is I love connecting people. And so I actually have a very good memories, but people might have to do this a little more manually. But when I, when I talk to somebody and they say, I have this problem, I go, I know a person who can solve that problem. I'm going to send an email introduction to you immediately after this call, that person will help solve your problem. And now, even though I didn't do the work, I provided a tremendous amount of value to both of those people. Maybe this person hired the person, the hired person solved that person's problem. There's a win, win, win situation. And you can get to the point where, you you know, you can almost make a a business out of being a professional connector that, you know, Dan Kennedy would call it a toll booth situation. And, but I, I just get a kick out of it. I get such a rush out of being able to say, hey, Tom and Nick, you need to meet my friend Peter who lives in Croatia. He can probably give you the inside scoop, even though you guys go there regularly. He'd be great uh, assistance. And then you guys could probably, you know, he'd probably have a few questions to ask you about real estate. And, and again, there's a value add. And I mean, I don't think there's anything, there's anything easier in the world to help somebody than to make connections. I just love it. What do you think the purpose of life is, Craig? You're bringing in a, a child into this world in a few months. I mean, now you have a business. You're able to. Go, you're going to be able to go to Mexico. I know this is a big question, Nick. I'm. You know, this is like I, he's, I he's in his forties. He's in his forties. I'm trying Craig to get his skate, perspective. I want to. Yeah, he's. Gonna, I want to see him skate out of this question. No, I want to see his, how the scheduling works with the, once the child arrives. Oh too, that man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a new book. That's a well, new yeah, book, Craig, I mean, right <laughs> there. The perfect week formula yeah. with kids. It just it can totally be done. Don't get me wrong, Craig. I'm not right under here. Yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not disc. But before yes, I'm not discounting it because. It can totally be done with discipline and stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm still a fast. I'm I'm very fortunate that I have uh, coaching clients who have just had another baby and that sort of stuff. But I mean, I'm already preparing. I'm like, I'm preparing by um, giving my team more responsibility by growing my team members so that I become less a part of the business so that when this happens, I'm able to step away and say, you know, Odds are that my schedule will be very fluid. Uh, you know, I do well on very little sleep, but even I won't be doing well on two hours of sleep a night or whatever it will be. It, it will be clear that I am not going to be performing at the highest level, but that's the whole part of the next six months is to make them 
even more talented than ever before, to give them the support, to grow them, that that is the focus of the business right now. So that when the, you know, the, the great miracle happens, you know, I'm, I'm able to enjoy it. I'm able to support my wife. I'm able to, 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 you know, be present and I'm able to not have to run off and, and do stuff right away and also be able to keep both of us, uh, you know, healthy with the lack of sleep. So I'm preparing for it, but of course, there is nothing that prepares you for having a baby if you've never had one before. So, you know, they'll be very messy, but it'll be a short term messy and and we'll get back on track as quickly as possible. And you know, forgive myself when I when I don't do the best that I can. <laughs> I so, can't wait to talk to you a year from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I know you everyone says that to you, I'm sure. So uh and it's yeah. it's fine because it it's certainly I mean that's what it is, right? I mean it, well, all the, the strategies that you you teach and specifically everything you've summarized in the perfect week formula, Nick and I have implemented just with kids, I had to bump everything I was doing up an extra 90 minutes. Yeah. Because I had to get up that much earlier to get a lot of the things that you talk about in the book done before the family would wake up. So it just made my morning start earlier. Otherwise, I couldn't. It, it didn't work, but it all still works. You just kind of adjust your time. They, they might even become more important. Not that they were important before, but when you realize that before you could kind of have, be flexible and not have, you know what I mean? And now you kind of have these other responsibilities. That Daily deadline interjected where you want what you want. You, you want them interjected or not, you know, it becomes even more important, actually. Yeah, I, I definitely, I have seen firsthand, and this is even before I was even in the whole daily schedule type of business, I've seen entrepreneurs become better entrepreneurs by having kids, simply because it cuts so much fluff. You're like, mm-hmm. I just had a baby and, you know, my, I need to support my wife or, you know, maybe it's the woman who, who was the entrepreneur. It's like, what am I doing, you know, on these newsletters and attending these things and blah, blah, blah. I'm, I, if I just stop these, my business is not going to suffer. And so now I get more done in less time and the business grows because I'm spending more time on yeah. the stuff that really matters. It's true 80-20, right? 80-20 hacking away at the, the inessential. So I'm hoping that happens. And then also like, you know, for, I, I really believe like my number one purpose and role is, is not to be an entrepreneur, to be a father. And so that is something I don't take lightly. And so I'm dedicating my, myself wow. to it, but yeah, you know, cool. so, wow. and, and then, and then um, a couple of things before it, sorry, Nick, is that uh, I understand that babies love routine. Like all my friends who have just had babies said, Hey, you, yeah. you, you'll be kind of sort of okay because the babies want routine as much as you do. And then, um, you know, everybody who's listening to this, who has kids, it's one thing to have your daily routine when your kids are, you know, up to the age of six, but then when they start staying up later at night or they start having hockey practice at nine o'clock at night, I mean, that's where I start getting a lot of objections to my formulas and that type of thing. But um, my whole shtick is not about you getting up early in the morning. My whole shtick is about you planning and designing your day mm-hmm. using the foundational principle. So it doesn't matter if you get up at eight o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning, that doesn't determine your success. It's following the principle. It's staying so, structured. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I, I think I always complain to Nick that when Aiden's hockey you, practice, no, you just always complain to me period. No, I don't always <laughs> complain to you. I'm giving you opportunities to help me. That's what I'm <laughs> doing. Uh, when, uh, when, uh, when we would get home, like at 11 o'clock at night from his soccer practice, cause it was nine to 10 30, get home, right. you know, by the time you're in bed, it's 1115, you know, my 5am, if that was every day. And if I was trying to go to the gym a little bit, I was, I wasn't getting enough sleep. And then I, I did get frustrated because I couldn't do my early morning stuff. I had to choose more sleep yeah. and that was tough. I had to kind of come to terms with that. I almost broke a little bit. Like I was really kind of struggling through that adjustment of not, of losing my morning to myself. I needed that time to myself, my thoughts, write down some notes. Like you talk about, I needed that time. It kind of comforted me. It gave me clarity. It gave me focus and losing that was really difficult. I will say this, uh, this is a a message that I do try and get across to, to everybody, regardless if you're a parent or not, but not every day has to look the same. And like, for example, normal Mondays, I sit in this chair until my butt hurts because it's meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. But we get all the meetings done in our team on Mondays so that they are just aligned for the week. We have some shorter meetings every single day, but Monday is just a marathon of meetings. But no other day looks like that. I have way more space to think 
but I sacrifice my thinking time on a Monday so that my team feels supported and has everything that they need, which then allows me the opportunity to have more thinking on other days. And so if somebody out there is thinking, well, you know, I want to do this early morning thing, but my kids have X, Y, Z till nine 30 or, you know, like you said, 11 o'clock, you know, cause that's the only time they can get the, the, um, the court time or the rink time that's going to happen, but not every, not every night's going to be like that. Most cases. Um, but it also means not every morning is going to be one of those perfect. I've got 120 minutes to, you know, be this brilliant thinker. They're not all going to be like that, but if you just get consistent, imagine if you got three days a week like that in a year, that's 150 days totally, of thinking. Yeah. So, so that's what we need to look at. You don't have to get on base every time, like a successful baseball player, right? If they're, if they're on base three out of 10 times, four out of 10 times, that's pretty darn good. And that's, just, that's you know, the kind of approach we have to take for ourselves. We have to consistently be good, not uh, be perfect every day. Hey, Tom, I think, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but I thought, I think Craig skirted your question because I interjected with mine about the baby. Oh, right. The meaning of life? Is that the meaning of life? We can skip. No, I mean, winning of life. Who's going to have that? That's too, that's, that's, we'll save. That's a whole other podcast. We'll save the meaning of life question. But I do have a question. Uh, Unless you're eager to answer that question, you just jump in. But everything you've seen now, this is now a big tangent I'm taking, but I'm curious because you're in your forties. Is there a particular diet that you found that works for you? I know I'm switching gears totally here. I'm just curious because I feel like now at the age of 48, after monkeying around with different stuff, I kind of feel like, wow, I finally know what to eat, what works for my body, how it works. And it's taking me a lot of time to figure this out. And I'm not perfect at it by any means. But what have you found out? Because I know you've been in the industry for a long time in fitness industry and thought about your health. Where are you at with diet for you specifically? It, it is, it is, it is my diet and nobody else's diet. That's a yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that's what I mean. Just what have you learned? Yeah. Oh, that's is, what you've um, learned. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that is what I've learned. Yeah, so, yeah. so, but people who are thinking, well, I haven't mastered, you know, step number one, what I would do. And, and the only way that I'm speaking for you, Nick, but probably the only way that Nick and I know for myself, the only way that we figured out what to eat that's right for us is by tracking it. And today it's easier than ever to track your nutrition. I still use like a spreadsheet and I just like, okay. Um, and, and here's the thing is you have to make cause and effect, right? So I ate this and I felt like this. That's where we have to start. So if you take a look and you go, okay, well today, um, you know, I had a coffee and it was this big and I was like anxious as heck all morning. Well, tomorrow I should probably have smaller coffee. Okay. So I'm associating how I feel with what I consume. And if you consume sugar, you'll probably feel tired. If you consume like a paleo type diet, you probably will have pretty good energy. But if you eat those foods, how does your stomach feel? So you have to like, here's how your energy levels feel. Here's how your digestive system feels. And you just have to track that stuff over time. Now, if you're fortunate enough to go to a nutritionist who may be able to give you, uh, you know, download their decade of experience with what they know about you and you, you give them a bit of information, they could probably accelerate the process just like, you know, a coach can accelerate your process in real estate investing. You don't have to go and, you know, do a whole bunch of deals and then look at everything that went wrong and go next time I won't do that. You know, you don't have to do it that way, but but essentially, it's just understand what works for you, understand what works for your schedule, your body, your energy, your digestive system, and uh, and your goals. And, 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 you know, I wish I could say, well, just follow this one. But it's yeah, really it, it really is that. And then once but then once you find it, like I kind of follow a uniform diet, right? Like uh, Steve Jobs used to wear the black turtleneck and jeans so he didn't have to think about anything else. And. And for me, I'm totally fine eating the same thing every day. And that's generally what I do. And the good thing is, is that, you know, through genetics and my regular commitment to exercise, I can kind of freestyle my dinners. Like it's health, it's probably healthier than most people's dinners, but it's still like, I don't have to really worry too much. I mean, I don't eat junk or anything like that. And, and it's just like, you figure out, am I that type of person who responds best to just eating three times a day, which is what I do. You know, I tried the six times a day thing and, 
Um, you know, I've tried the intermittent fasting thing. And if I intermittent fast, I go to 140 pounds because I just can't do it. I have to eat. Um, and if I eat, try and eat six times per day, it's just too much thinking, you know, it's too much of my CPU and it's too much cleaning up and never really full. And I just don't like it. I'd rather eat fairly big meals at uh, breakfast and dinner. And then I usually just have a big giant smoothie and some nuts or something at lunchtime. And, and that's good for me. So, so it's, it's again, my diet, if you looked at the actual foods consumed, you'd say that's pretty healthy. It's not like extreme, like, man, you have no fun, but it's pretty healthy. It's just very basic, very boring, three meals a day. And that's for me. So over to you now, it's like, okay, here's my schedule. There's no way this is going to work. There's no way this is going to work. Um, yeah, it's so would, personalized. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it, it, it the is biggest so things that you said, the biggest things I've taken away from what you said were an elimination diet was really important to like remove foods that really helped yeah. for me, like removing things and then, and then documenting, like you said, and for me, it was the next day. So I would like record things I would uh, eat. And then the next day kind of reflect back on that because I would feel crappy the next day. And it wasn't necessarily what I had for breakfast. It was, I noticed what I had the day before often or yeah. the night before was yeah, making me feel a certain way. The time that you eat. I mean, eating late is probably one of the, the biggest problems that people have because there, there's the obvious, like you're, you have no temp, no willpower and no discipline at night. There's all the temptations in the house. Your, your kids are eating the junk. You have more junk. It's unnecessary calories. If you can cut, if most people cut out the night eating, that'd be helpful, but it also is very hard on your sleep. The closer you eat to your bedtime, the more poorly you're going to sleep, the more, the more tired you're going to be in the morning, the more you're relying on caffeine throughout the day, which means the more poorly you're going to sleep the next night. So it's, so eating at night hurts you that way. But then most people don't know this, but eating late at night also causes uh, heartburn. And if you, you know how like older men, talk like this, uh, it's because they've destroyed their vocal cords with heartburn throughout the night. So if you eat at night, stomach acid comes up through uh, your esophagus and it destroys your vocal cords over time. And so it's called huh. silent heartburn. And so you end up with a lot of health problems down the road from eating too late at night and then going and lying down immediately. Plus, and, and again, it ruins your sleep. So if people want to make, you know, start with one nutritional change in their life is try and separate when you stop eating from your bedtime by totally. two hours. That, that was a that. huge one for me. If, if I stop at like seven o'clock at night, it's like a miracle sleep I get compared to eating exactly. at nine or 10. And this summer I totally went off the rails. I was eating something in Croatia called palichinka, which are like crepes with Nutella. And there was so much Nutella in them that I felt the sugar rushing through my veins. Like, you know, when you're just like, that was way too sweet, but I did it all summer, Craig. So part yeah. of the reason I'm asking, I just got to dial things back in a little bit myself exactly. because it was a great, it was really a great summer. Well, th this, this goes with a lot of, <laughs> this goes with a lot of my productivity stuff that we've talked about on some of the other shows is it's not about adding more things in a lot of cases. Like you could have a really crappy diet and go, I'm going to add a green smoothie every day. Well, yeah. you gotta, you've got a really crappy diet with a green smoothie. Yeah. Like that's not really that helpful. It's the removal of the distractions and the toxic temptations and the, and the nutrition bombs or the productivity bombs. So if you did nothing but remove that delicious Nutella dessert from your life, you'll you'll be better off than if you added a green smoothie and totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's, that's another thing for everybody to think yeah. about is, you know, if, if you're smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, the best thing that you can do for your diet is, is stop smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah, totally. Cool. Nick, were you going to say something on that? No, no I, I was, I, I, no, I'm yeah, good. I, I had never heard that thing about the, the stomach acid and the esophagus before. That's the first yeah, thing. Yeah. Most people don't know about yeah. that stuff, but it's like, if you really want to have a good night's sleep is, you know, don't drink before bed and don't eat too late. And, and that's like a couple of the most important things that you can do. The other thing is go to bed at the same time every night. That's the number one thing. Totally. To that messes yes. me up. Like I find, you know, I'll, I will feel worse than if I stay up a couple hours late than if I have a couple, of, like if I go to the bed at the same time, I have a couple glasses of wine that night, I will feel worse without the wine going to bed late 
and waking uh, up late, same time of sleep than I would going into my regular routine, even with a couple glasses of wine. Yeah, the routine is key. Yeah, the routine's a big one for me. As we wrap up here, I just I just want to repeat the reason that we love what Craig shares is specifically, I know you have a bunch of books, Craig, and we can talk about any of them, but the perfect week formula, the reason that we hand these out regularly is because in this book, you've condensed probably 10 or 15 different time management and productivity books that we've read over the years into one single book. And as an example, on page 47, you have something called the billionaire Eisenhower box on, on page 47 there. Just that alone in this book can change the entire productivity of your whole life. If yeah. you follow just that one thing on page 47. So the reason I get so excited, because I hand out your book like a giddy school kid, like I'm so excited because I just feel that you've done such a brilliant job of bringing everything together in one place. Thank you. So uh, well, yeah, I'll I tell just you really what. thank you for, thank you for giving, uh, for, for putting this book together. Seriously. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and so this kind of ties in with that person, you know, that fake person we were talking about before who's 40 and feels like, oh my goodness, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't done anything right. The only reason that book is so good is because my first book had so many holes in it. So I wrote the perfect day formula and, you know, we got, we got a lot of uh, positive Amazon reviews, of course, but we got a lot of people saying, but you didn't cover this. And then, uh, you know, I would go and I would present and they'd say, but what about this? And so it was only through getting like 150, but what about this, that we were able to write a book that actually that I should have written in the first place, but I didn't have the experience to do it. So you know, you got to go and do something and, you know, it won't be perfect the first time, but the next thing will be a lot better. And so you just have to go and get started. That's, that's what it is for everything in life. And then we've talked about three major things here from, from nutrition to, you know, making sure that you're taking care of your family with the, you know, safe living and that sort of stuff. And then real estate investing it's and babies, right? Like, you know, you're not going to be perfect the first time you have a kid or ever, but uh, you have to go and do it because it's worthwhile doing. Yeah. And I didn't know that after this, I'd be getting on my list for the Mexican consulate in Toronto, Nick. There you go. I realized that was going to be the thing. I I, Let me me know what the, um, if I do it, I will. I will. Absolutely. If I do it, I'll let you know. Because it's, it's a long wait time out here in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, Craig, where can people, Instagram handle, website, where can yeah, people? Yeah, Instagram handle is real Craig Valentine. Real and Craig Valentine. That's real the best Craig, place to find me. Oh, is that the, okay, real Craig Valentine yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, we do have a, we, we are, um, we took a break from LinkedIn, but we're going to be more active on LinkedIn again, too. So I think, I don't know how you'd find me on LinkedIn. It's Craig Valentine. So I think that's it. Yeah, they'll track you down. We'll, uh, you're like, we'll you're like us. Like, I'm like, yeah, you're somewhere. I don't know. It's just yeah. fine. <laughs> Craig, thank you. Always a pleasure catching up. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Craig. Remember, you can get a copy of his book on Amazon. It's called The Perfect Week Formula. Build your business around your life, not your life around your business. And if you are listening to this and you're not on our weekly email newsletter yet, you can get onto that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.